Hey, Johnny, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you, John? Hey, do you know what we need right now? An ice cream cone? That does sound good. But in addition to that, did you know that we're looking for someone to be a part of the Talk About That podcast team? Of course, Yes, I do know oh. that. Well, we're looking for someone who has interest in or experience in uh, marketing, social media, and working to help us build the platform of the podcast to reach more people. That would be great. We need more people. It would be amazing. So if you're out there and that kind of falls inside of your purview and experience, then just send an email over to me at john at johndriver.com. And uh, let's set up some time to talk about whether or not you might be a part of the Talk About That podcast team. Do it. Today on Talk About That, it's a snowpocalypse. John hurts himself sledding and has no butt. Meanwhile, I try adopting a lunchroom philosophy to creativity rather than always trying to win over my critics. Also, a conversation about the illusion of safety and how taking no risks is the biggest risk of all. Today's episode is not sponsored by Beaded Chains, stopping you from stealing pens at your bank since 1938. It's showtime. Walking in a winter wonderland, Johnny. Let's talk about that. We really are. It's uh, snow days. For Nashvillians, like, this is the snow apocalypse. Five inches or so? It was a lot. It's crippling to our city. People don't understand that live up north. They'd laugh at us, but we have one truck. Right. You know what I'm saying? We it's got mine. That's yeah. What's, yeah. It's Seth Wharton. They're He's like, hey, there. John, could you get your truck? You Seth's know. out there stacking hundreds. Let me tell you something. Because he's got the snowplow attachment. Seth is like um, the right kind of cautionary tale because he... Yeah. was ready for this. You know what I'm saying? Like he was one of the wise virgins from yeah. the Bible whose lamps had their oil filled for when the bridegroom did cometh. <laughs> that was a real, that's a real stretch there. I yeah. love a good virgin parable. Uh, I could relate for much of my life. <laughs> it's like, well, it paid off for these virgins. Maybe I'll be okay too. And that was, I was okay. You, yeah. It's worked out pretty it worked great. Out, worked out pretty great. Uh, well, what, how's things going with you? I got, I'm put, I, I'm still trying to lose this holiday weight and, and it's last Valentine's day. That's the holiday. That's the sad part. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a bit, it's a, it's a snowball effect. Yeah. I did really well mm-hmm. to start the week and I did, I did okay. Like we see snow days and getting snowed in and stuff. It, it really throws me off. Well, why wouldn't it? you yeah. you, and you have kind of, you give yourself, uh, permission to just bleh, because what are you gonna do? Go run in the ice? You've seen that video, by the way, right? The famous viral video from years ago, where these newscasters are interviewing people who are out jogging in the snow. They're like, "It's actually great. It packs down nice, and it's good traction, and you know, it's not bad at all." And then they take off jogging, and this woman just eats it, and the camera catches all of it. Nice. And you just have a hard time not. What is that called? Like Schadenfreude? When somebody's like, you you glory in someone else's like downfall or whatever. Yeah. You get like. You get like this little endorphin rush, but it's, it's, she kind of got her comeuppance because she was like, yeah, we're out here running in the snow. We're awesome. We're fit. And then it's like, no, yeah. you're not. You're in traction. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, you give yourself permission because you're like, I can't go run in the snow. So what I'll do is eat snow cream. Well, that's the thing. Why it has to be both extremes. I don't know. Like, okay, yeah. how about a, if I'm not going to go out and exercise in this, right? I could go to the treadmill, which or, I did one day. Yeah, I hate the treadmill. I, did so the tre- I hate the treadmill, too. But I did it on Monday. Then Tuesday, I got up uh-huh. and ran at like 7 a.m. in like 20-degree weather, so before yeah, the snow came. before the snow. And it was great. The first mile, you're freezing. Right. And then you feel great. 
Yeah. But everything has gone numb probably is why. But no, your your body heat, you know. Like, is that? Okay. Yeah, I mean, because you've generated I heat. ran a couple of miles for the first time in a while, and uh, my legs, I was very aware of my legs the next day. Oh, yeah. My legs were like, we don't do this. Yeah, mine too. What are too. you doing to me? I was walking, because that was a Tuesday. It's like a newborn deer getting up. You're just, <laughs> you're, it's like, you know when you're in line in school? And you're in the lunch line, and somebody comes up behind you and gives you that thing where they put their knee into your knee, and you just go, whoop. <laughs> it's that sensation of like, I don't know how to walk downstairs anymore. <laughs> My brother did that to me all the time. Kind of just take out the, the knee pit on the yeah, back Yeah, who there. are these people? Yeah. I like to do a Venn diagram of like who those people grow up to be. You know, yeah. like if you're that guy. I mean, he's a successful civil engineer, so I don't. Well, there's the, those the people jokes too, on us. like boys who run around like kicking each other in the balls all the time. Yeah, when you're in junior high, right? Like, who are these monsters? What are they today? They're yeah, like who the are CEO they? They're of... politicians, probably. <laughs> They're running things. <laughs> Just stop it. No, I felt it because it was a Tuesday morning, so we had staff meeting, and so when I walked up the steps, that's yeah. the thing. I'm like, I'm great. I'm feel great. I ran this morning, and then I hit the steps. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like it's funny how your body doesn't tell you until you hit uh, certain things, which. Speaking of, yeah. so today, uh, so my daughter's best friend came. We knew the snow was coming. She came home with us Wednesday night, which is great. So she stayed. Oh, she's just yeah. stranded with you. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night with us was amazing. Snow in, so, sleepover. So they're playing like crazy, staying up late. It was a Did gr- they go out into the snow? Oh, yeah. I just I mean, didn't they, have no desire. They just, they, they were in the snow as much until they're, you know, until they get just numb. Yeah. And then they'd come in and, you know, watch. I mean, it was great. It was so much fun. It was like. You look at kids and go, well, that's a memory, a fun time, you know. Uh, well, yeah, it's for Tennessee. Like Middle Tennessee, we just don't get, we get one or two snows a year. Never this much snow. No. So this actually stuck around for a couple of days. You could make a snowman. You could do your thing. A friend of mine made a, uh, not a friend of mine, a neighbor of mine made a, a T-Rex in their yard. Oh, wow. Like a little snow T-Rex. That's a lot of Yeah, it's a lot of creativity. That's I could a, like maybe stack. I don't think it was actual size, but <laughs> it wasn't to scale. No, I, I could maybe stack the three... Yeah, you know, balls on top of each other to make a snowman. Uh, but I, I can't. I, they no. cra- maybe they did that. Then they crafted a T Rex out of that. You start know. with the anyway. Well, today then we were meeting up with her parents to drop her off because uh, we have volleyball tomorrow in Kentucky. So we were meeting up to drop her off, and we thought we'd sled here at the church. There's a few hills. Yeah. And so the first hill, I was like, "All right, guys, I'll try it first. So I get the sled. And I just do what I would always do. Like, you know, I kind of jump down head first. Oh, yeah. And then I... Let me, let me guess. You just sunk in and you didn't go anywhere. No, I went. Oh, you did? But apparently I jumped <laughs> thinking that I'm 20 years younger still. Oh, right. And like, you know, I've broken my ribs before You've, playing yeah, basketball. You, and they, I have like arthritis in my ribs now. Like they, huh. they hurt all the time and, and they've been bruised a bunch, you know, and they're they're broken in a basketball injury. Arthritic, like some, arthritic ribs. It's crazy. Never heard of that. And so like I felt, I was like, oh, my ribs, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, I just slid down a hill. Yeah. And I don't, I would never go down head first like that. And I felt what fine. What are you, Pete Rose? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> just diving in? Well, and so I was. I thought I was okay. So we had to go to, go to the grocery store. We yeah. got home and something fell out of my hand while I had an armful of groceries. And I went to reach down and pick it up. And apparently that's the motion. Oh, yeah. That proves to me, much like walking up the steps, that's the motion that was like, it felt like someone stabbed me right in yeah. my side. Your rib just moves. Yeah, and I was like, your oh, lung. So here's the thing. I won't be picking up anything off the ground for yeah, a few days. Yeah, just save probably. your life energy. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know if that's an age thing. You know uh-huh. what? How about? Why do I shame myself about it? Why don't I say no, no? That's an athletic that's injury. That's why you have children. Anyway, why is that? So they'll pick things up for you, oh, Johnny. You don't know anything about being a parent, do you? <laughs> <laughs> if you have kids, the days of having kids so yeah. that they make your life easier by oh, working right. on the farm or something—I'm sure there's some great parents listening who that's their life. Yeah. But for the most part, we live in such a 21st century yeah, it's reality. True. It's like well, everything's child. Like the, you hear these stories about people, the home being like child-centered, whereas it used to be parent-centered, or it used right. to be the adults were the thing, and the children kind of you—you're going to work around me. And now it's like, we'll work around you, your volleyball <laughs> schedule, et cetera. It's not, hard. Just using that as a, I'm not saying you, I'm just no, saying. No, no, no. <laughs> just as an example, <laughs> if someone's life were dominated by their daughter's volleyball schedule. Right. Like a random person, I mean, like an anonymous a random, person. Right, a person, yeah. No, and the, the funny thing is, is when she's in trouble, I tell her, now you know <laughs> that there's a family here right. of people and that this does not revolve around you. And oh, that wow. we all live to serve one another. Uh-huh. Now, you go get in the bath while I finish doing all the dishes and put oh, away the right. dinner that I made for you so we can be ready to leave for the volleyball practice that's free. Like, you, you yeah. can't. You're doing everything for them. But. Dude, I went to high school with a guy, and we reconnected on Facebook a couple of years ago. And I saw, you You know, you ever do that where you, you become friends with somebody again, and then you go look at all their old posts to see, like, all right, what kind of whack job are they a little right. bit? Or what kind of, or if they have kids, whatever. You're stalking right. them. What kind of whack jobs are their kids? Exactly. <laughs> But he kind of is what I thought he would be. He was a, he's an ex-Marine, and he's always been this, like, live-off-the-land kind of a guy. Uh-huh. And I knew that he would kind of grow up to be that guy. And sure enough, he has this – he lives in Kentucky, and he has some cabin or something. And all that said, he had this post about how his kid – I think it's a 10-year-old boy – had left their clothes on the floor. Yeah. And he was like, he knows what the rule is, so he'll be hand-washing those tonight. So that was his thing. Oh. So if you you don't if you don't if you throw clothes on the floor like here's your extra chore, this is what you're gonna have to do. And I was like, wow, didn't I? See, I don't. I, this is so sad. We talked about this before, but it's it's worth mentioning. Like, there are times I go like, you're about to lose your phone for a month. Yeah. And then back of my mind, I'm going, I couldn't take that. Yeah, that would be punishing like, yourself. I can't then reach her when I need it's just to so reach funny, her. Like you're about to lose your smartphone for a month is a new like. It is. Tim Hawkins used to have a bit about that when we were on the road. This is like years ago. It was like 2012, he used to have this joke. And so now it's almost like just, it's not, I don't even know if it would even get a big laugh now. But back then he goes, it's amazing how our threats to our kids have gotten different. He goes, he goes I'll say to my kid, I'll scream to her, you come upstairs when I text you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny to me. Yeah, it's, I will unfriend you, you know, or whatever. <laughs> no, it's very uh, – I did see – I was talking to my father-in-law the other day, and he was telling – because we were talking about Christmas presents. They got Greg, my brother-in-law, when he was young, they got him a three-wheeler. Yeah. Okay, so they don't even make three-wheelers anymore because yeah. they just tipped over right. they all the people. time. Yeah. yeah. And so, but regular ATVs too. It's because they go straight up hills with them, and then you're like, then oh, this thing's going to come back on me and break my yeah. neck. Yeah. So he said, I told Greg, look. You wear a helmet. Yeah. And if I see you on the three-wheeler one time oh boy, without the helmet, then that day I will go sell the three-wheeler. It'll be gone. Yeah. And he said, you know what? He never one time rode the three-wheeler without a helmet that I know of. Wow. And I was like, but see, in my experience, my kid is going to make a mistake. Yeah. And then I'm going to have to follow through on that, which is fine. I do. We but don't try like, to. But I really like the three-wheeler. I try to. <laughs> I tried to make idle threats, yeah. but I just go, man, that – then I go also, wow, that worked. And so it sounds like, again, guys, as parents, 
Yeah. I don't think that we're complete pushovers. I mean, we have boundaries and all those things. I just, it's one of those. Sometimes you make a threat and you hope they don't call your bluff. Oh, absolutely. You're like, man, I don't, because in truth, I do want them to have, I want her to have good things, not like nice things. I want her to have good experiences. Yeah. You know, um, I don't want to take things away. I mean, this is almost the heart of God in, in that respect. I think we kind of assume God wants to take away the things that we enjoy. And I think in the end, God like, doesn't want to sell your three wheeler. Like guys, he doesn't, There's he, your next book. he wants you to ride that three wheeler. God, the father. God That's the what I was going to say. It's, the, it's a Trinity. Uh, it's a Trinity. Uh, yeah, Some of y'all stop making three wheelers. You've added a fourth wheel. Mm. Stop being God's fourth, fourth wheel. wheel. Uh, every metaphor has its limits, I guess, but we found ours. And so, I don't know, man. It's like a, it's like a weird, and I'm not, and also when you have an only, like I'm her dad. Yeah. And. I'm also, this is weird. I don't mean this like I'm her friend and that I'm a peer. But there's a lot of times that if she's going to have fun in the house, it's got to be with me or Laura. Yeah. Like there's no there's no one else there, you know. And so mm-hmm. we are willing to like, yeah, I mean, like she got these lights for Christmas from her grandma and they stick to the wall. Yeah. So like, Oh, no, my niece got some too. Yeah. What is, what's going on with people lighting up their rooms? Let me tell you something. So Every lit- teenage girl wants to light up their room and they want to be able to control them LED style and all Two this. Two 50-foot rolls. Yeah. yeah. And so I was on a ladder in the bonus room, in the entire bonus room, to the crease up to the ceiling all mm-hmm. the way down, uh, you know, the, the drywall edges and all the things. I mean, who else is going to do that, you know? And, and who else is going to enjoy it with her? So, I mean, there's there's like a friendliness you hire an installer <laughs> come on in <laughs> That'd be funny. go on angie's list yeah, yeah. who installs these LEDs? does anyone know how to pull this backing off this sticky 100 tape 100 feet of look at you i think i got my niece like 25 feet you can't uh, hide money bro i didn't get it her grandma got it for her. oh yeah well, so. yeah <laughs> They were actually really cheap. Mama D for the win. Turns out you're really cheap because yeah, no, but uh, I'm serious. Like every, we went, on, she had an Amazon wish list or whatever for Christmas, and I swear to you, like ten out of twenty things were some kind of lighting for her room, neon this yeah. and you know with dimmer switches, and I'm just like, she just. Do y'all have lights in her room? What's going on? Yeah, girl? same she thing. She, see. she got a projector thing, too. Okay. Yeah. Same oh, it projects thing. on the ceiling and projects makes little shapes. Like, yeah. uh, stars yeah. and different shapes, uh-huh. almost like nebulae, you know, right. around and the room. Right, one of those, too. Yeah, it's really like cool. Little constellations. Yeah. Whatever happened to our drive-in that was supposed to come to Nashville? You remember this idea? Mm, there's one in Lebanon. No, there was supposed to be a drive It was going to be called a drive-in, but it literally was like this self-contained, like, uh, biosphere thing that you drive into. And it's like a planetarium that looks like the night sky. And you sit in like classic cars on like AstroTurf and you watch a movie. And it was going to be called like Blue Moon Drive-In or August Moon. Dolly Parton was involved in it. Yeah. I don't know anything. I don't know. Where, maybe, maybe it's a fever dream I had. But I swear <laughs> to you, this is the thing. Where was it going to be? I want to say it was going to be Nashville. Uh, and now I wow. think they've... Could, could think, you be more specific? I think that I've heard that it's going to be Pigeon Forge now. Oh. Yeah. Because I don't know why. Pigeon Forge. Right. I'm well, sorry, I mean, we got a Top Golf here now. Right. Which we never go to. No, we don't, John. We, it doesn't we, have a planetarium, though. It suddenly blames me for it that. It has dumb old real stars. Ugh. Who needs the trouble of that? Yeah. You've been playing golf a lot. No. I've played one time this year. No, that's not true. One time. This year. Sorry, we're 
It's only January. No, I'm saying, I played one time. No, I'm saying this time, this this past season of 2021, I played one time. You I talked played. about playing all the time. No, you're thinking of 2020. I played some in 2020. Oh, wow, well, I lost. 2021, I mostly rode my bike. Whenever it was a nice day out, yeah, I would always yeah. go ride my dumb bike. I mean, you like your bike. I do. Do you know we got a Peloton? What? Yeah. What? Speaking of can't hide money. A used Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. I don't <laughs> care. Enjoy your Peloton. La- I'm, not, I'm not using it. Laura loves it. They're great. I, I can't. I'm telling you, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't mean to be personal on the podcast. John, that's all we do. But I don't have a butt. What does that have to do with anything? Bike seats really, like I have no padding. Like yeah. it, it's painful. So huh. it's super painful. So yeah. So I just don't do a lot of biking in that respect. Hmm. So sorry guys, but Peloton not a sponsor, but she loves it. So I mean, they can be a sponsor. You get those padded pants though, the big butt pants. Maybe it'd be nice. I mean, I, I did run the treadmill, and then I went and ran. And I, I, dude, I loved running. I told you the first mile, very much cold. Then great. Mm-hmm. The next two, and when I stop, then I kind of walk. You know, that mile and a half home, praying and stuff, and. I was freezing. Like, that was the problem. Now you're sweaty and you come down off of it and then the wind. So I'm working on, working on like maybe. Maybe call an Uber. I'm going <laughs> to, I think I'm going to tie like this raincoat thing that kind of holds the heat in. It's real thin around my waist for yeah. running so it doesn't get all sweaty. And then put it on to kind of, you know, trap all the ex- escaping heat on the walk home. Remember people used to sell us that whole thing about like wearing, uh, Wearing a head covering of any kind because, like, all the heat escapes from your body. 80% of your body heat escapes through your head. I believe Like, it's that. a total myth. It's a total myth. Dude. I've read about it. It's a total, like, that's done. It's like, you know, going outside with a wet head, you'll catch cold. Like, it's it's a whole, like, that's just a thing. Says we, the 40-whatever-year-old with a full head of hair. Listen, I don't want to hear about it. You don't know what it's like. <laughs> My head gets cold in a restaurant in the dead of summer. You know, you're just walking around with that. You cold hair is wasted on people gonna... like you. Don't even, you don't even. You're not even grateful for it. Yeah, I am grateful. I'm very grateful. grateful. Yeah, you know, I'm so grateful. I don't look like you. <laughs> That's what he's saying. I, I lamented. I had no hair until I met the man who had no head. Is that, is that the saying? Was that Sophocles? It was, it's a, That's so funny. Who wrote the Headless Horseman? What was that guy's name? Uh, Dang it. There's no way Hold to know. Hold on, uh, Irving. Washington Irving? Washington Irving. I was think it that really? was him. John, Gosh, on, there's no. <laughs> now someone's really screaming if that's not who it is. Who wrote The Headless Horseman? Thomas Maine Reed. <laughs> you were way Where off. Where did I get Washington Irving? Why don't you ask it, what did Washington Irving write? <laughs> what did Washington Irving write? <laughs> Hold on. Oh, it thinks I'm saying a name, Washington Irving Wright. Siri. One job. Is Washington Irving even a guy? Yeah. Okay, hold on. We need a producer. No, this is great. You can't get past this authenticity. (laughs) This is... uh... I don't think it's Washington Irving. I'm thinking of somebody else. George Washington. (laughs) 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 Oh, my goodness. I want to know how many of our listeners... Number one, how many of them like the show Hamilton? The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. You which were, I thought that was the Headless Horseman. I thought it was, too. Was there like another? Is Sleepy Hollow not the guy who had the horrible 
headless. He was holding the lantern and the. I don't do a lot of. Yeah, I'm, we were right. Washington Irving. Okay. Anyway. Wow. <sighs> I wonder how just like our lives. <laughs> Boy, isn't it though, guys? Don't lose your head over the. Anyway, I I, I wonder how many, how many of our listeners actually like the show Hamilton because you haven't watched it yet. No, because you have no soul. <sighs> I'm going to wait until it's just whatever. It's, until it's can- it's basically almost he's almost canceled now, right? People there's been backlash and backlash no, to the backlash. There's no Yeah, because of appropriation it's and it's not et being canceled. Yeah. It's it's bigger there are than people, ever. Twitter has had their way with him a little bit, but it's Twitter fine. Johnny is it's not is I know it's accessible. It really is. Yeah, like it's fine. I was meeting with the marketing people at the publisher yesterday and they yeah. were like, "We would think we would take this." She said the same words you just said. You know, she said, I think we would take this part to Twitter and this part to Instagram and this part to LinkedIn. And I said, I'm telling you, my interaction on Instagram is so much higher than Twitter. And she said, yeah, Twitter's a cesspool, but there's still. <laughs> and then she said, but there's still a bunch of pastors on there. And I was like, what does it say yeah. that a bunch of pastors are in the cesspool? You They're know? on there like fighting about, <sighs> you know, polit- you know, political things and. Theo bros. That's the big thing now is like people who correct each other's theology constantly on there. Yeah. They just on here. They're like, on there talking about you baptize infants. Well, you know, you're going to hell. Right. Whatever that kind that's their big, like they get up every day and like make their coffee and like, they can't wait to tell you that you're wrong about whatever. The watchdogs. Yeah. Gatekeepers. Yeah. Yeah. The, they're, they're the Oscar Martinez's of the, well, actually, all the actuallys. So, which we will post this podcast on Twitter. How dare you besmirch Oscar Martinez? That's, uh, what are you looking up now? I'm looking up that, uh, the thing I was going to read about, uh, from Joni Mitchell. Oh. Today. Do you have it? I have it. Right now. Yeah. It's ready, John. (laughs) This was a beautiful transition. (laughs) Don't you think? (laughs) Pros. Well, it's not. It's not a beautiful transition, but I was just—I've been wanting to talk about this for three or four episodes, and I just keep forgetting to come back to it because we just kind of move on and we do our own what our own our own pace is or whatever, and that's fine. But anyway, I'm a, I was a big Joni Mitchell fan, who's a you know folk singer from the '70s. Uh, but she had this article about monogamy, and I thought it was interesting. She had this somebody interviewed her and was talking about you know if she was in a relationship or whatever, and she said, <laughs> "This is kind of interesting." And take this is one of those things like spit out the seeds, kind of a thing. Because I've, I've only skimmed this. This is I don't know if I've learned anything yet, but I did learn how to have, have how to have a happy home. But I consider myself fortunate in that regard because ever because I could have rolled right by it. Everyone has a superficial side and a deep side, but this culture doesn't place much value on depth. We don't have shamans or soothsayers, and depth isn't encouraged or understood. Surrounded by this shallow, glossy society, we develop a shallow side too, and we become attracted to fluff. Twitter, anyway. Uh, that's see the segue. Uh, that's reflected in the fact this culture sets up an addiction to romance based on insecurity. The uncertainty of whether or not you're truly united with the object of your obsession is the rush people get hooked on. I've seen this pattern so much in myself and my friends, and some people never get off that line. But along with developing my superficial side, I always nurtured a deeper longing so that even when I was falling into the trap of that other kind of love, I was hip to what I was doing. I recently read an article in Esquire called the end of sex that said something that struck me as very true. It said, if you want endless repetition, see a lot of different people. If you want infinite, this is my favorite part. If you want infinite variety, stay with one. What happens is when you date, you run all your best moves and tell all your best stories. And in a way that routine is a method for falling in love with yourself over and over. Oh, wow. 
Isn't that interesting? Yeah. But you can't do that with a long-time mate because he knows all that old material. With a long relationship, things die, then are rekindled, and that shared process of rebirth deepens the love. It's hard work, though, and a lot of people run at the first sign of trouble. You're with this person, and suddenly you look like an a-hole to them, or they look like one to you. It's unpleasant, but if you can get through it, you can get closer, and you can learn a way of loving that's different from the neurotic love enshrined in movies. It's warmer and has more padding to it. I just like the idea of, like, you tr- you run all your best moves if you have to date a bunch of other people. But when you're with one person, they like they know you. Yeah. And so you have to like the mask has to eventually come off and then you get real and it either goes really deep or you run, which is why we see so much divorce or yeah. whatever. And some people just aren't, aren't compatible or whatever. And I get that. And there's abusive. There's always a reason. I'm just saying there's always outliers and there's reasons and, and exceptions. But I do think it's interesting that I just never heard it put quite that way. Yes, yeah, fascinating. The idea that we find a way to fall in love with ourselves. Yeah. If we if we're not careful, we're mm-hmm. just falling in love with this weird version of our ego. Yeah. Uh, when we just go person to person to person, but when we stay with one person, the act has to eventually give way to reality. Right. And I like the idea of the of the something dies and something's reborn. I mean, I can't even compare myself to my twenty year old self. Like, I don't even yeah. know. They don't. I do not seem like the same person. Um. And that's good. I mean, there's 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 growth there. You weren't here two or last Sunday, uh, but I talked about. It's so crazy you'd say that because I talked about in the message this because I, I basically talk about New Year's New Year's Scrooges. There's yeah. more New Year's Scrooges than Christmas Scrooges. We are all kind of like, oh, well, let's not make a resolution because really, we yeah. never, you know. Yeah. And it's like this. Actually, there there is something in the sequence of life. This is an opportunity to to reevaluate. And you're not foolish for looking at your disciplines or looking at your physical health or looking at your relationships and deciding right. this is a moment to shore things up. Yeah, I think we mistake that cynicism for depth. Right. We're like, oh, because I'm aware that this is all BS around me, that makes me a better person than someone who's idealistic. It's like, no, you're just a jerk. <laughs> well, and re- You've given up. Yeah, I mean, know? restarting, you've got to have moments in life where you yeah. reevaluate and restart. I mean, that's that's why we have anniversaries or why we have all kinds of things that you, that you use. I want both. I want, like, the wisdom to, like, know that, like, yeah, there's a chance that I'm not going to stick to this run three miles every day. And also, I want to have the courage to try it anyway. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And cur- I talked about courage. Like, it takes courage to live in our world at all right now to, like, I guess, show up. Yeah. It takes courage to show up today. Right. In the world. To go, whether that's in faith, whether I'm going to hope again. It takes courage to hope again when you've been disappointed. And, and, and the cynicism sets in, and I talked about that, Christian cynics are are more rampant than any other kind, in my opinion, that we're the first ones to tear every single thing down uh, and and to pull the rug out before anyone would stand on it so that we don't get hurt again. Yeah. And there, there's like this, because isn't it foolish to keep hoping? I was like, but guys, Christianity is built upon uh, continuing to hope. Like it always leads to continuing to hope. And, and that that's what Jesus establishes in us. So it will feel foolish, but it's not foolish according to the the boundaries and the paradigms of the faith that we're brought into. But I talked about this idea that – so this is my dark place. I'm redoing some spiritual disciplines. And part of me who's gotten away from a works-based mindset and, and realizes God doesn't love me based upon how much I pray today or how much I read today and all those things was just – not right. that I ever thought God loved me on that, but God liked me or I, my closeness to him. So 
the truth is, though, when I don't pray or read, I do feel a distance. Mm-hmm. And there's a reality there. And I begin to kind of get dark where I was like for a few days there, kind of pondering the new thing. And it was almost like, look, if, if this God thing is so real, I'm, this is as raw as I could say it. If this God thing is so real, yeah. why would it require me to have to make sure I get up and run at 7 a.m. to pray or read this scripture? Like I begin to get super cynical for a moment about it um, because I'm getting, I don't want it to, this depend, to depend upon me. I don't mm-hmm. believe that anymore. I know it doesn't. I preach that it doesn't. So why did I feel this? And I felt like that I had this nudge inside one day of, John, every other relationship in your life works the same way. Your -hmm. relationships are reflective of the truth that you're struggling with. I'm paraphrasing that nudge. And in my own marriage, if I decide to stop talking to my wife, stop communicating, stop confessing when we make a mistake, stop working it out or whatever, I will feel a distance. Right. And then – you, I can do exactly what I was feeling with this faith thing. And I see people do as a pastor all the time in marriage. And well, like you said, the boundaries here, are, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about right. moments where you need to get away. Okay. I'm talking about like in, in a, no such thing as normal, but in a regular situation of, mm-hmm. Hey, we just you know having a tense day, you know, together, or we're sick of each other's, you know, idiosyncrasies over time. And, People then begin to rewrite history and truth for themselves. And w- when they get close to leaving a marriage, I hear this all the time. I don't think we really loved each other in the first place. Uh-huh. And I said to the congregation, I said, Guys, I've, I've done over 50 weddings and I've never married anyone who didn't love each other on that day. Yeah. Like I've never married anyone who didn't like genuinely love each other on that day. The deal is there's distance or there's tension or there's circumstances, some valid, some that could have been overcome that weren't. And and when you begin to feel that distance and you think, I don't I don't need to engage because this should just be like you I love how she said that. We just think this should just remain almost accidental, organic, just constantly happening to us and not us really doing something to affect it. Like if I have to affect it, it starts to feel disingenuous. Now it feels like I'm having to put so much into this. Yeah, if it was yeah. real love, it would just be happening right. all the time. Yeah. And real love also requires you to put something into it. Uh-huh. Even if it draws you in a way in the beginning that didn't require as much of you, real love will, will require more and more of you as you grow closer and closer. And that's what I felt with God. Like, hey, just because you need to pray and we feel distant and you can try to convince yourself that this faith thing's not real if you want to, but all relationships have that same pattern. Or you could recognize that this is relational and that's why if, and, and secondly, I'm not engaging God. He's already engaged me. I'm responding. Yeah. If I believe the gospel, I don't wake up any morning without him having already engaged me, whether it's through the sunrise, the Bible says. I mean, there's so many things he's engaging. If I'll remember that and believe that, then I'm not responding out of like me taking over to make faith work. I'm actually yeah. returning to something that he's giving to me, but having to do something or choosing to do something doesn't mean it's not real. It doesn't mean it's not true, just like it's not true for any of us. So I just, it was a fascinating kind of thought to me. I like how Laura is God in that analogy. So I, just I, like, she probably likes it too. <laughs> <laughs> just like my relationship with Laura, Laura's God here. And when I don't speak with her, she becomes angry with me. Well, that's the same thing. If I don't she spend time. smite me. <laughs> She probably really could smite me. Yeah. I wouldn't mess with her. No. No, 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 no. no. Laura's a two, which is the helper. And a two has 
you have two wings, Johnny, and you have two Enneagram paths. Helpers smite people? I'm confused no, by the, the Enneagram. That's oh, okay. I'm getting. So the, okay. the two is the helper, like, yeah. man, always there for what you need. You right. Know? But she has a path, and under certain, it can go positively or negatively, either to a four or an eight. And an eight is the one who will smite you. Okay. And so when she's on her eight path, she's strong, you know, and the, she's on eight, the eight path today. The, the eight path. Now, the eight path can be good and bad. I mean, sometimes we need her strength. Yeah. Like she'll walk into a situation and boom, she can handle it. And we needed yeah. that strength. Um, so we all have that. Like my paths go to uh, three and nine. Yeah. And so three is more of my strong sort of path. The nine is the one who sees all sides and is just wants to keep the peace, a peaceful accommodator. While the three is more like the one who wants to achieve and, and wants to sort of win the room over. And so for me, if I get into my three path, it could be positive or negative. Yeah, I can go out and hang out with people and I can actually be the life of the party a little bit, even though I'm an introvert. But that's when I'm on that path. Or I can like try to win everybody over to a negative extent, you know, Yeah, uh, and that's not good. So, yeah, then I'm, I don't know. And I wonder what, I wonder what kind of person I would have become had I never gotten into stand up because I think it's altered my personality. Do you think my personality has changed since I, since I, I, you don't, you just think I stepped into a thing and it just happens to be, I think that having the professional side of comedy, my, my take, all it did was, is, is round out and develop some areas of your life now that you have to hold up for yourself in uh-huh. the professional world. Yeah. Whether it be you know, man, the management, the agency, the representation, the right. branding, the travel, that like you had to put systems in place to make all that work that uh-huh. you didn't always have before because those things weren't required of you. You had it when you worked at Agape. Yeah. In a different way. You would develop. So I saw the managerial admin side of you. Right. When, you, when I ran yeah. the group home ministry. Yeah, I don't know. I just I wonder, like personality wise, because when I hear somebody talk about how they feel like a people pleaser or they feel like they have to win a room over, I'm like, that's my job. Yeah. So how do I ever? How could I ever conquer that as a addiction or whatever you would call it? Sure. If you call it an unsettling or unhealthy pattern, well, if I just go, well, I don't care if I please them or not tonight. It's like, well, good luck. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. You know. There's a there's a name for comedians that don't please the audience. They're yeah. called out of work comedians. <laughs> you know? No, the same kind of thing with writing. I mean, if I don't care about the audience at all, yeah, and I write something no one wants to read, then you know, it I, it could be yeah. a purist about right. it, but it still is going to be hard to continue to do that if you want to make a you know a I, career out of it. I started thinking the other day about my opinion of ourselves. We talk about ego, and uh, a little bit in that Joni Eric uh, Joni Eric. Uh, Joni Erickson, not Joni Erickson, uh, Joni Mitchell, that Joni Mitchell uh, article, she talks a little about your ego in a relationship and yeah. how you can see yourself as a series of like moves and stories and yeah. how it can mess you up. And when I think about ego in like showbiz or what you do, or even like preachers have egos, if oh, they're yeah. honest with themselves, because you're, you're walking into a room and you're almost like floating above yourself and envisioning what others think of you. Yeah. If you're not careful, like you're, it's a persona. I find it all the time. Social media has made everyone it's it's super exaggerated that sense of ourselves. And it's odd and I'm trying to like figure out how to defeat that thing or at least like control it, harness it enough to where it doesn't dominate, you know, and change the trajectory in a bad way of my life. I have so many things I I 
feel like I can access as a speaker yeah. that are, are interests to me or things that I can fit into my communication style, that that's the hard part. Some of this is good. And this is back to you. I want to get back to your idea about how do I ever recover from that in a second. But some of this is just, is good. Like if I know I have, if there is, if there is a bunch of comedians in the room, I'm just not going to be stuffy the whole time. Yeah. I also don't need to try to be a comedian. Like I need to find a way where yeah. I'm lighthearted enough uh-huh. to reach them or silly enough without trying to, but, but I am aware if they're there. Yeah. Like I, that, I don't like that. Like if I meet a new person before I preach and uh-huh. they seemed like they were, um, sort of intellectually wired for engagement of faith uh-huh. issues, mm-hmm. then I know I get this one chance to make an impression for us as a church that, hey, you know, there's a lot of things we're going to do. One of them we can do is that. And I might find myself, you know... Trying not, to be extra smart. Yeah, I don't know if it's like I find myself using bigger words or whatever, but uh-huh. but I, I am... I've, I've been that. I've but, done that. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, though, hey, you know, show that side of of us. It's not even just of me. Show that side of us because I'm representing yeah. what our church can offer them. And, and, and you only get one shot with it mostly. <laughs> so, you know... Yeah, it's weird because that's not the same thing that I'm thinking. I'm almost thinking like opposition like you can fall into weird opposition mindset when you create content if you're not careful like okay i guess i better go make this thing otherwise people will forget about me or or when i go to make something if i think it's funny i immediately go but is this imaginary group of comedians that i want to be liked by are they going to think it's hacky right instead of going like what i'm trying to do and this is something i'm really trying to make a new year's thing for me is like like I, let's say I have fourteen hundred I think I have fifteen or sixteen hundred YouTube subscribers, which isn't huge. I mean, I don't have a huge, but it's like right. it's grown slowly over the years. And I'm thinking like, okay, well, I could go. Well, why isn't it a hundred thousand? Or I could be like, I've got seventeen hundred people in a room waiting for me to come in and say something to them. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the lunchroom when you're just cutting up with your friends. Yeah, like somewhere along the line. I started thinking of the audience as like someone to be defeated. Like we even say it in comedy. We say I killed or I ate it or I died. Yeah. Like it's a war and they are to either be defeated. You kill them. Think about it. I mean, the mentality of it instead of being like literally what I try to think of my show is is like we're at the lunchroom. I'm cutting up. I'm going to I'm going to eat all the orange peels to make you laugh. Yeah. And somewhere along the line, like, I need to get that mindset back into what I'm doing when I'm creating things. It's like, that's the real, that's the real stuff is like, who already likes you, make stuff for them, and then other people will be added to that number. But if you make things going, I got to prove myself to the people who don't like me, Mm -hmm. you're already way off track. That's fascinating because I think... I was having this conversation with Laura. I'm, I'm, I'm hiring. By the way, I will eat orange peels anytime. I see just that. Whatever, it, whatever yeah. gross thing you want to put together, yes, I'll eat just it, bring it at the lunch hour. That's what Johnny does. Even when he eats alone, it's weird. Yeah. Um, I was talking to her about hiring youth pastors. Uh-huh. You know, and I'm, I've interviewed like 12 people now and all these candidates. I'm very overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by, by restaurant menus. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm overwhelmed because I also, because in my mind, almost anybody can work if they work hard enough and I see their positives. Even though I'm a negative, pessimistic guy in a lot of ways with people, it's crazy. I always think, oh, you know, anybody could do this, this. So I'm trying to make myself be more critical, ask a lot of harder questions than I normally would, all those things. And, but I, I, I told 
Laura's like, it's taking courage for me as a leader to make decisions right now because I have my inner committee that always tells me what's not going to work. And then almost everyone around me also can tell me what won't work. Yeah. And I have to be willing to try things. And I think maybe that fits for what you're talking about. I have to be willing to try things. And this is part of the Enneagram world is I, I still hate when they say this in the Enneagram world. It's like very unnatural for me. Like trust yourself. Like that would actually be growth for you. Yeah. It doesn't mean trust in yourself. It doesn't mean stop loving God, trusting God. It doesn't mean be prideful. It means like, yeah, sometimes you're crippled by the, this, this idea of you can't make the best choice. Uh-huh. And so you don't make choices. Or a wrong choice will be devastating. Right. When in actuality, it'll just be another choice, another choice that yeah. you just get up and try again. Yeah. And real faith says, even if you make the wrong choice, God is redirecting your steps, your path, and it's, you learn through that. Yeah. And, it's amazing yeah. how immune to that I was when I started. If I look back and think of all the bad jokes I wrote when I started and I just confidently went out and said them. And now it's like, I want every joke to be a winner. And I think it's because I have something to lose now. Yeah. And I had nothing to lose then. But I per- and I really have nothing to lose now to either. But I perceive myself as having something to lose. Sure, you know, in the beginning you're like, I just want to do this full time as a job. But now, when you get a house and that house was paid for by my income as a comedian, and you go, I got to keep being a big comedian. And so that means I can make less mistakes. Yeah, you give yourself like a tally of mistakes. If I make this big of a mistake, or if I get canceled because of this opinion, or whatever it is then I won't get to do this anymore. And whereas in the beginning, you're just like, wouldn't it be awesome if we could just hang out and cut up and make jokes all day? And yeah. it, somewhere it became, when it became a job, it became way too serious and way too uh, risky. And risk is all there is. Like when you don't take a risk, you're taking a risk. Like by standing yep. still, like us spending an hour a week doing this podcast is really a risk because it's, think of all the things we're saying no to because we're saying yes to this. Yeah. And plus, we're saying we're being very vulnerable with people. These are all things. If you just took a million little clips of this and took them out of context, we could sure. be canceled a million times. Yeah. But we just do it because we like doing it. And it's for the people who like it. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. But we're willing to take that risk. But there's some risks I go, I don't know. And it just, it's all, it's really, it's really weird. It's true. It's almost more pure because I love this podcast so much and it's not like blown up. I mean, it does, it does fine, but it's not like this is some career changing thing for us on a platform level. Yeah. But I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and I like doing something. Now, I don't, if I'm the only one who liked it, we right, probably would still be, wouldn't be doing that'd it. That'd be extra sad. But to know, I mean, when I talk to people and they go, the people who really listen really do, but there's something pure about that because, like you said, I have really nothing to lose here. Yeah. If this went away, like we're not, it's not going to kill our careers or something. Um, maybe it's like, and I hate to be all, all, you know, cliche, but like if I was in your world, Man, I would I would go into a seventy five percent yes mindset, you know, yeah. for a season. Like I'm going to the next show. I'm going to tell four jokes that I'm not sure about. Yeah, and just you know, out out of the out of the the whatever six. I'm not doing the math here correctly. Seventy five percent. But out of out of the six that I have now, I'm working on. I'm yeah. going to just try it. Right. And if I get a laugh or I get a I get a moan or a groan or nothing, yeah. then it'll, you know. That's different. And I do that some. And I'm getting ready to have, there's a show I'm getting ready to do uh, at the end of January where I was there a couple of years ago. And I need to have a lot of new material. And I'm trying to really develop that in a, you know, put it in a blender and just see, you know. It's yeah. going into the incubator in a quick way. Whereas normally I would really workshop things. So, so that'll be fun. And I'm kind of excited about it, even though it's a challenge. But 
the thing I'm talking about is almost like when you have to develop an idea and spend money on that idea. Yeah. And then you go, it's easy to talk yourself out of it. Well, I don't know if it's $5,000 funny. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you just go, because it's so much easier to do nothing. Yeah. And um, so I don't want to get caught in that where I'm just like, whereas in the beginning I was just like, let's get a website. Let's get a blah, blah, blah. And whatever it costs, it costs because we're going to do this. And then somewhere along the line, like you say, it's an illusion because we're we're convincing ourselves that we're safe and we're not safe. Right. Like the only if if the safe move was to just stand pat, that would be great. But it's so not. People forget. You know, if you stopped writing books, people would just find the next author. Yeah. They'll just keep moving. So you have to keep moving, and that the biggest risk is not taking those risks. And so I'm trying to make myself uh, more brave this year. Mm. Yeah, I was reading actually in a uh, Devo um, devotional book by uh, Tyler Zach. You guys should check him out. Um, he is a pastor, and he writes Enneagram uh, material that's really, really good. And so this is called, it's for sixes, called The Gospel for Loyalists. And he was quoting uh, Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile, and I did Ian Cron's podcast back. You guys should go check out my link tree, and there's a link to that that interview with Ian Cron. And he says, Enneagram teachers Ian Cron and, and Suzanne Stabile say that the growth path for sixes means holding two conflicting ideas in tension. Quote, that they live in a culture that's never going to let them feel safe and that they are safe. Huh. But the tension is there's never going to be a thing I can do yeah. to make this safe. And also I'm safe. Yeah, you have to like be be okay with the instability of the situation. Yeah. Like I was telling my brother that because like he runs a, a nonprofit and has for years and years and years. My family founded it and I was co-director of that for a while. And so I know that world. And then he kind of looks from the outside in on my world and he'll travel with me some and he'll be like, sometimes we'll talk real numbers about what I just made at a show or what's happening in the next month or two. And I'll be like, I'm free. I kind of guard some of it. Cause I'm just like, I, I don't ever want to give him the idea that like, this is how it always is. Cause it's so chaotic. Right. And I, and I told him that the last trip we did, I was like, like, I don't, sometimes I'll go, you know, I'll look at the calendar and I'll have work all the way up to March and then there won't be anything until August. And I have to live in that tension and trust of like, well, by the time I get to February though, March will be full or it'll be full enough for me to eat or I'll just save all my nuts for the winter and I'll, I'll ride it out for those months. If it's a COVID slowdown or whatever it is, that's why 2020 really was just a total like, it messed with people's heads uh-huh. that do entertainment and do like, if you have like a regular thing that you're like, Oh, well I make this well I'll always make that. Or I have a hundred dates a year. I'll have a hundred dates a year forever. And then when it all got taken away, you're like, Oh, this is like, it's not safe at all. And it was a good lesson, but it's just interesting. Like I respect so much what he does. And I think he has this uh, respect for what I do, but it's, they're so different. And yeah, you have to live in that tension of it's unstable, but it's like, an instability or instability that I've learned to live with that I go, well, this is, this is part of the job. Yeah. You know, this is part of the job is like going, I'm going to jump. And by the time I land, the net will be there. If I just keep writing jokes, there's going to be a market for this. We hope. And if not home Depot's hiring. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and you know, we talk about that with the changing world of 
people now, I mean, if you look at the job numbers, Laura and I talk about the job numbers all the time. You know, actually, unemployment is down, uh, but hiring is also down. Yeah. And I was like, how is it possible for unemployment to be down, but people are having trouble hiring? And it has to do with the nature of the world changing, that they're not needing to hire as many people because they're finding these online jobs elsewhere where they can work completely remote or whatever. And it's changing the world. It's the reason we wait at a restaurant now when there's multiple tables open. And people have also figured out how little they made in those jobs Uh and how hard it is to survive in this world. And right now this world is expensive. Groceries are through the roof. We're spending almost double sometimes at the grocery store. We go to Aldi right now and we'll spend $200. And that's hard to do at Aldi. Yeah, (laughs) or like eating out. It's like you just notice, you go, this this meal would have been like me and Curry. Today we went somewhere and I was like, this would have been like $25. It was $45. Yeah. How, what happened? Yeah. Uh, and uh, then I realized she got five margaritas. So that was, <laughs> that was, I looked over That's, and she was, yeah. And she was like, what did you say? And she's drunk at the yeah. table. Again. <laughs> Again. What can you do? I'm glad we brought it to the podcast. It is. This is an intervention. Well, yeah. With I mean, a lot of people. She's next to me right now. She got a lampshade on her head. It's unbelievable. <laughs> God. I thought that was a lamp. Yeah. <laughs> the whole, this whole time yeah, I thought it was a lamp. Time. No, but it is. And, and you go, it's the, it's the nature of the changing world that the world will change uh-huh. and it's not safe. Um, and the safety we have, and again, I hate, I hate platitudes. Like I've, I've been, I live my life like spewing platitudes. And at this age of my life, I'm so suspicious and skeptical about platitude based faith yeah. that I almost throw out baby Jesus with the bathwater a little bit. Sometimes that's uh-huh. where I'm again, I'm the tension now is I'm, I've deconstructed some of those things and I'm like, okay, I think I've hit some bottom and, 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 and right. I don't need to, I don't need to jackhammer through this. This is holding. This uh-huh. is okay. You know, same kind of thing. Like it's okay that I need to pray every day right. and have a routine like that. Doesn't, that's not, that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a part of it in all relationships. I have something similar to that. Um, and it's okay that the world's going to change. I can trust God. And I, I mean, this is as vulnerable as I can be. And I've said this before, but something about my dog drowning and the way that happened, like it really, and, and again, I've started seeing a therapist, not just over that because that was, again, I get it. Dogs die. I totally get it. Yeah. But it was like a moment where it was under my care. Yeah. And it was like, it made it feel like I'm not going to be able to keep things in life together safe that I need to for the people around me or myself. Yeah. And that I've always trusted God for that and that this happened and I couldn't stop it. I could have stopped it. That's, that's the part that tortures me, you know, but again, it's not, it's not, and that's what we talked about. My therapist, like it's, it's not the dog. Like the dog's one part of it. Yeah, it's like a marker. It's a, yeah. It's like a, yeah. It, it ends up, by the way, culmination of a lot of things in my life. There's a lot of things happening there that I can't talk about in the podcast that blew up in my face, whether it be church or career or other things. Mm-hmm. A lot of good things too are happening. But you suddenly go, wow, I've never felt more out of control, even though I've always trusted in God for these things. What else will he not allowed to remain safe. It's really where it got for me. Like what, what? Yeah. So he keeps me so safe on so many things, but not on these. 
So how can I trust that the next the, the next step's not going to be? Remember the old Indiana Jones uh, Last Crusade movie, right? Where he's walking across in the right to get to the Grail, and he has to pick the right letter, and he's trying to figure out if it was in Latin or if it was in right. Hebrew or whatever, and he's got to make a jump, and it, they look the same. The letter he's going to jump on is either going to fall through or it's going to hold. And he has to decide. And that's kind of how it feels for me. Like, whatever I jump to next, this might not hold, you know. Yeah. And that, that feeling of, so kind of refinding. And I, I do feel like that God is being very patient with me and kind to like, hey, you're right. Not safe. And yes, that did not go. That particular thing, other things didn't go the way you wanted. And some other things won't either. But <laughs> you're safe, you know what is safety and you start evaluating it, you know, what, what is it that, that holds together yeah. in life? And are you going to focus the whole energy of this faith experience upon the physical things in life? Or is there, is there a higher cause? You know, you almost, you do, you become like this bubble wrapped Christian of all my prayers are about making sure right. my kid makes A's and they're great. Pray about them. You yeah. Know? Or but, just like having enough money to insulate yourselves from whatever problem. A problem, a problem still may come into my life, but as long as I can write a check, right, then I'm good. And then that number keeps inflating of what, how much insulation you need, yeah, to keep yourself from whatever that problem is. It's like, yeah, it's a, it's an illusion. That's and that, that's another thing I think the pandemic took away from us was that, that idea of control. Yeah, because you know it just it affected because it, because it was such a global thing. Like you, normally you'd be like, oh god, this country's messed up then you go no indonesia egypt everywhere we're all on fire and so it was like this whole like oh well they're not handling it well either what are we gonna do you know it's like uh we we were all sharing in it yeah and we will be very careful with our our pandemic talk i would just say this pandemic talk about that it's a sister podcast (laughs) that we're gonna start (laughs) that i think for me that very thing you just mentioned is why i see red flags in the politicization of the pandemic. Right. Because it assumes an American only American centric paradigm. Right. When what has brought me comfort throughout all of this, no matter whether it was under Trump or Biden, because they've both been president during this crisis, all those things is that it's not comfort. It's it's not comfort in someone else's hardship, but to go, y'all know that Australia is yeah. having to deal with this and Canada and Africa right. and like you know this is and they're all failing and succeeding yeah. su- su- you know catastrophically some are shutting down some are going right. you know i mean like right. like the idea that someone here has to get this right in order for this to be a right or wrong issue yeah. i think overlooks the fact that it's a global thing um, and that bring it brings me comfort there to go. Okay, I don't, you know, I'm not going to go to either extreme here and just completely blame one candidate or the other, or one president or the other, or one party or the other. Like what I'm when I do that, what I'm probably doing is I, I'm I'm seeking yeah. stability amid the chaos, and or I'm trying to, to blame, find like, it in the outrage, the, or somebody know? to blame too. It's like that thing of we talked about that before, like party politics and. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld talks about like if your favorite player goes to an, another team, like all of a sudden he's your worst enemy. We're just rooting for laundry at some point. Yeah, like you could have this. Like think about we had Pac Man Jones on the Titans. I mean, if there's ever been a, a more flawed character person in the NFL, 
Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would defy you to find him. But when he's returning the kickoffs? Exactly. You'd be like, oh, oh, man, Jones, the run. passion he plays with. You find yourself defending. <laughs> right. But if he was not on your team, you'd be like, God, they've let these thugs into the league. Whatever you would say. Yeah. I mean, he'd be in a nightclub fight, you know, stabbing people or whatever. He was in horrible issues off the field all right. the time. And then, but he's, when he's on your team, you're like, he's saying he gets in the other players' heads. I like how he's kind of a pest. He's yeah. a, it's like, you can defend it. And I, when I see party politics, you see that all the time where it's like, it's always this means to an end. We're just rooting for laundry. Yeah. We're waiting to see if they have a D or an R beside their name before we decide if we're going to get offended at what just happened. Yeah. Well, whose side is he on? Oh, well, I can't believe it's like this fake outrage. Right. It's so annoying. We're just fans. It's it's dumb. Yeah, it is. And that doesn't mean that you can't be on a side. It just means just know that when like, the side keeps you from hearing. Right. You know, hearing from all sides. Right. It, when it keeps you from having a balanced point of view or just the main issue that you can do is to ever think that these people really care about you. That's a real like. I really feel like that's something that we've all fallen into. Where we're like, he gets me. No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he does not get you. I promise right. you. But all that's, but I get you, listener. <laughs> so I was trying to figure out a way to segue out of it. We get you. We get you. We do care. Listen, we're not running for any offices. And this is the midterms, bro. This is it. We're not charging any taxes. For this podcast. We're like a purple wave. We want a nice, uh, centrist wave. Yeah. You know? We're just here. We could run. We could be the purple candidates. You know what I love when people write to us about the podcast? Sometimes they'll say that we've challenged them and they have they have opened their minds to, you know, just at least thinking more deeply without just being dismissive of other sides. And we appreciate that. Uh, and so. That's exactly. We have you right where we want you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we're forming a super PAC. If you could send your donations, here's the to, deal, guys. Uh, <laughs> we believe that Jesus is coming back in a spaceship next Tuesday. Right. We need you to meet us at the top of the Batman building. But in the meantime, our GoFundMe is. <laughs> <laughs> no, you really should check out our website, though. Talk about that podcast.com. Oh, make we sure the podcast is in there. Almost 200 episodes archived there for you to enjoy. Mm. And uh, so do that. And you can even go to our Patreon page. It's linked there. Kick in a few shekels. Our social media accounts you can follow. Please do that. And that helps people get the word uh, about upcoming shows that I have, which uh, the calendar's kicking up some. So that's really exciting for me for 2022. A lot of more jokes uh, coming around the bend. My dry bar special, mm. I just found out, yes. ranked in the top 10 of most viewed in 2021. Unbelievable. I didn't it's a even big, know, big deal. I didn't Johnny. know it was a thing, but uh, evidently X amount of millions of people have seen it. And uh, so there you go. I mean, top 10 dry bar, bro. That's like, pretty great. Like I don't even. Top 10 you, viewed. Uh, I don't know. Do you get something for that? Uh, they put it in a video. They put a little clip of it in a video. But there's no medal or certificate. We should make a medal. <laughs> We're making a medal. We for need this. the listeners to make a medal. Yeah. Make me a little award and I'll proudly display I am seriously super proud and grateful, man. It's pretty That's great. Amazing. I was pretty surprised. And uh, I'm, I'm still surprised. very, very poor. <laughs> you know, you would think when you hear something like that, you're, oh, this guy must be loaded. Hey, no. No. The checks haven't changed at all. Not at all. Yeah. But it is pretty great and gratifying that people are seeing it. So uh, if you want to know more about uh, where I'm going to be headed in 2022, johnnyw.com. John has a new book, notsoblackandwhitebook.com. It's where you go to find out about that. You can leave a rating 
yeah, reviewer rating and our Amazon ratings are going up every day. And uh, we'd love, you know what? I could reach out to our podcast family, Johnny, the family. We're all family. I think here. we're at like 87 ratings right now on Amazon. I'd love to reach 100 by next week. So, hey, okay. if you haven't rated it, go and be honest, obviously. Um, but I'd love for you to go and check that out. Maybe even write a review if you've read the book. And we're getting great feedback. We're at 4.7 out of 5 stars on 87 ratings right now. Uh, we'll round it on up to five stars. Yeah, why not? But I mean, people are talking about changing the way that they think, and 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 that this is challenging them. So it's exciting. So we also have a podcast interview uh, with Jen Hatmaker on For the Love that comes out on the twenty sixth. Look at you. Uh, that's a pretty big podcast, and when she was great, it was it was a great interview. Uh, I mean, we'll see. I haven't heard it yet, but it seemed you like felt it felt like well. it went well. They'll edit you down well. like yeah. thirty seconds. Thanks for coming, John. <laughs> yeah, they just like they just pull different words out and make their own <laughs> sentences. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. So she was awesome and so kind. And, and so that'll be a fun, uh, fun podcast. So look out for that as well. And, uh, man, don't forget, we are also looking for, uh, someone, uh, who is passionate about this podcast, who may have the time or energy skill set interest in helping out with some of our future, um, sort of curation of content in terms of, uh, YouTube, social media, a few other things that we're working towards. Someone who would, hey, yeah, you'd, you'd love the idea of pouring over podcasts and helping with keywords and helping with clips and audiograms and Ugh, other things. Hashtags. Yeah. If you love that kind of stuff and you're good at that kind of stuff, reach out to me at john at johndriver.com. Hashtag John Driver. And uh, <laughs> I always feel weird when I say john at johndriver.com. It's like way too many John Drivers in there. Yeah, you, know? you really like Hi, I'm stuff. John Driver. Check me out at john at johndriver.com. You can also follow me at john. It's like, yeah, it's too many. Mm-mm. The ego you were talking about. Is, is, I, was, I had you in mind when I said it. <laughs> I'm glad it got through. And listener, we had you in mind when we recorded this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. We will see you next week on Talk About That. Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice from the How to Study the Bible podcast, and I'd love to invite you to join us as we weekly discover a passage of God's Word together. From beginning to end, from principles to practicals, we are here to make sure that God's Word is powerful and relevant to your life. If that sounds like something you're looking for, I would love to invite you to subscribe. You can go to lifeaudio.com and search How to Study the Bible, and we'll see you there.